Bam, we're live. Bam. Uh, hi. Bam, we're live. Hey, should I go? Should I do a show talking about the behind the scenes? Yeah, of course. Like Definitely. go on Pedro's podcast or something? Sure. Pedro's not just here. I don't know. I, I, I'm uncomfortable talking about it on our own show. Like, oh, I'm like, jerk, like I'm jerking myself off. I mean, I am jerking myself off. <laughs> Not like. Um, I, when I was in the shower this morning, I was thinking about some of the stuff over the years that uh, Jason Kalipa told me and that Josh Bridges told me. And I thought also about having them on the show. Like at one point, Jason's like, hey, dude, I just realized at one point that the media is just a part of CrossFit and that there's no reason to fight it. You got to lean into it. And I just kind of feel like, I don't. I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm. I'm. I, I don't want to get all preachy, but there's people like I'll just use Laura as an example. Like I don't want her to like in five years from now. You know, she's got a couple world titles under her name, and she's never got to in, like lean into the media part of it. And there Ooh. is a really fun part there for the. Um, there's a really fun part there if you learn to uh, accept that. Is this really how you spell Assalamu alaikum? No. No. Awesome. Oh. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum. I like I like that when the UFC fighter do that. You think she won't embrace you out there? Like once I don't know what, I don't know what she, I I'm not sure. Um but uh I think they will. I just um I, 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 and, and if she doesn't, she doesn't. That's fine too. You know what I mean? Maybe someone's just like, fuck yeah. that. I, but even even Fraser was de kind of detested media. And look at even he came full circle. It's just this evolution. No matter what, uh, like we know that every polywog turns into a frog. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, that's why parent, it's so hard watching a kid who's 13 to 16 year old go through their shit because every kid goes through it. And like, you're like, dude, I could just tell you what's going to happen. So you don't have to do all this shit. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they got to go through it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's here. Yeah. Hey, good morning, Greg. Good morning, sir. Gentlemen. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Greg. How are you? <clears throat> Fantastic. I am feeling good and happy to be alive. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. We've got a house full of friends. It's kind of kind of cool. Amazing. Happy. It, oh, of happy, happy birthday. Oh, shit, that didn't take long. Oh, wow. <laughs> Happy birthday. Oh, Happy he birthday. hates it. I don't blame you. I hate it. Too. You know, can you do you next Saturday? Birthday, like, you hate great. the attention. Yeah, go ahead. I hit up, I hit up Jake. I go, hey, dude, happy birthday. He goes, my birthday is the 20th. I'm like, oh, fuck. I thought it was the his birthday was. Because uh, his birthday is between mine and my son Blake's, my oldest kid. His was two 20 and 22. So I didn't know what day it was. So his was two days ago. Problem. So here we are. Thank yeah, you. here we are. Amazing. Um, are you doing it? Do you do anything? Do you do anything for your birthday, or do you just uh, um, do you do anything for it? You, you, buddy, we're sitting here on Quarter Lane, and I got uh, I got boats and friends over, and so you can imagine what we're doing, right? Right. We're Same thing you did yesterday. Yeah, yeah, same thing we'll do every day. <laughs> and with some uh, for the kids and homeschooling and, you know. It, it, life's kind of weird. Like a drink. 
Oh, what to say? Let's. Oh, leftist tears. Oh, wow. Wow. Leftist tears. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, it's um uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, it, it's like that when you get older, especially when you have kids. People are like, "Hey, what do you want to do special on your birthday?" And it's like, "Hey." I'm already doing it. Like I'm going to hang out with my kids and homeschool them. And then I'm going to go out on jet skis with them. It's like, <laughs> you know, but I'm 67 today and my kids want to make me breakfast in bed. And I'm just seeing this picture on Instagram where I look like I'm in a fucking convalescent home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, naked, you know, right. I go, no, I'll tell you what, how about you make me breakfast at the fucking table or the boat or something. <laughs> Uh, Philip awesome. Kelly, happy birthday, Greg, for some birthday tacos. Thank he knows, you. He knows you. Will you do tacos today? Uh, yeah. In fact, catering. Oh, serious? From our favorite taco truck. Yeah. Honest to God. Play, place makes this great quesadilla. So, uh, will the truck come down your windy road uh, all the way around the lake to your side? Oh, Greg's had a bad connection today, right? Yeah, that's unusual for him. I'm choppy. His picture's clear. I, he froze for me. Did he freeze for you guys? Yep. He did. Okay. Greg, you're frozen. Just so you know. We can't see or hear you. Oh, he's fixing it. He magically teleported to the... Oh. oh, thank you. Look at Audrey. Jet skis cause concussion. Come on. Come on. Come on. What? <laughs> Sounds like um, I'd get a little squirrely on hers. Hey, I'll ask Greg that. He'll he'll know about jet ski safety too. Take your time. Take your time. I I was invited. I was invited. You settle down there. You settle down. I wasn't invited to his birthday, but I'm always invited to the the Glassman um, estate. Yeah, you, you watch yourself here. I'll play this for you guys while we wait here. What are you playing? Oh, the this um, I'll play this for you while we wait. Here we go. Enjoy, enjoy this while we wait for uh, Greg to get his wire situated. Here Older lady gets on the elevator with me, and all of a sudden she clutches her purse. It made me feel some type of way, and then it made the whole situation uncomfortable because I'm pulling, she's pulling, I'm pulling, she's pulling, I'm pulling. Just let go of the purse. <laughs> Misdirection humor, isn't it great? Amazing. Oh, there, you're back. Uh, uh, taco truck doesn't have issues coming down your windy road. It's just like, it's all good. It comes around the it's back a, there. It's a, the driveway's got a switchback in it, but I don't know. It's, you know, what I'm guessing is that it won't be the actual truck that we're buying tacos from, but they'll load all the crap up in the trays. With a foil, yeah. right? Aluminum trays with foil and show up and put it out. That'd be my guess. Is it a good day there today, Sonny? Good good lake day? A little warm. It's in the high 90s, and I don't need that. But Perfect. Spoiled I am. Yeah, if it gets any hotter, we're going to come to Santa Cruz. Oh, my God. goodness. <laughs> hey, um, Greg, I, I was thinking about this this morning. When did you know that um, – 
so so basically I'll, I'll bring it up to speed so basically you you were at one gym what gym was the gym that you got kicked out of before you opened your own location um at a research circle or whatever that was called it was uh it was called spa fitness center now i think it has a different name in capitola just south of the tracks there on 41st and then and, and then uh, you the couple that ran it were pioneers in the industry. I mean, I have I have I have a lot of respect for. Them. We went through a rough patch there where they tried to sink my submarine. But um, uh, Harry Jenkins went to Santa Cruz High, and he built a commercial gym in the second floor of a, a barn he rented from someone, and had a cave in, an epic cave in that made headlines with multiple injuries, and it was kind of a serious deal. And, and that was, he was 17 when he did that. And so when I'm at his gym, he's what, 75 or some damn thing. And, and, uh, and uh, uh, Anna Jenkins was one of Jack LaLanne's girls, you know, the girls in the tights. He had a couple of those and a couple of German shepherds, white German shepherds. She, she was of that era. And we clicked and then we didn't. But that was, that was the, the last stop for me when Harry called me in one day and he had a graph he'd made of his uh, training program, revenue from the training program. And what had happened was that they were taking a third of my, uh, of my get, and I was charging 75 bucks an hour. So I was hitting 50 and they were charging, uh, for the other trainers were charging 40. And Anna had told us that no one will ever pay that much for training. And I told her, I thought it was a value. If you look at what you're selling for 40, I think my 75 is a discount. And, uh, ouch, they didn't like that. <laughs> no, they, they thought it was funny. And we're, they, you know, they liked it until he came up with his graph and showed me that Almond Morales and I were sinking their ship and, uh, taking some of their best clients. You know, the, we, we were getting five day a week people that had been five day a week for five years with other trainers paying 40 and now they're paying 75. And uh, that, that created some tension. But he says, you know, you got to go. He even had a tear in his eye. I mean, I understood. And he says, I'm, I'll put you up somewhere. I've seen how you work. You don't use a lot of gear and you don't need a lot of room. And we could get something in Los Gatos. I'll help you out. I'll set you up. Oh, shit. And he I tried said, to send you over the hill out of town. Yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, said, <laughs> I, I, I love the idea that I've been thinking along those lines, but I was thinking like across the street. <laughs> and so I had to beg for two more weeks. Just, you know, let me take, say goodbye to everyone. And when I went over, it was Claudio Franza, who uh, the jujitsu guy, who says, come over to my gym. Was he a client? Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah, I'd already been working with Garth and BJ and even at Spa Fitness Center. I was bringing in some people and they weren't enjoying that so much. The owners of that place didn't like you bringing BJ Penn in there. That yeah, that they, not in particular, back. but my this MMA kind of clientele. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because as a demographic, they're mild mannered, kind of cool guys. You know, it's a they don't have nearly the machismo and bravado of say tennis players. For what reason, no one can explain. And, and then so then you go over to um, Claudio Franco's and th th and that's got to be tough, right? I mean, you're you're yeah, just it's, a it's Franca and uh, no, it wasn't tough. It was delightful from the very beginning. And every all but one client came with me, and uh, she was my handful train wreck client. And so I'm like, you're right. You know, you, who wants to work out on 
jujitsu matches. I mean, I put a medal through the wall at Claudio's right there at the dojo, you know. You you took me there. The space there was tiny. I can't even it's believe tiny. you ran a gym there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we, I moved with him when he moved again. And then there was a period of about a year where I got tangled up with Barry Sears. He was dragging me around talking to people in gyms. How did you meet Barry? Um, it was uh, people that knew uh, Pablo Morales knew me, knew Barry. And said I should hear this with this... Uh, what this guy uh, writing meal plans for swimmers, for Olympic swimmers is doing. And it was prior to the zone book coming out. And they, he said, that they said that he could uh, put on first principles of 40, 30, 30 uh, diet, 40% uh, carbohydrate, 30% protein, 30% fat. And uh, tied, uh, uh, thermodynamically tied energy wise to uh, uh, what, three quarters of a gram of protein per pound of uh, lean body mass, I think it was. And I had in tweaking Gold's gym nutrition analysis program, uh, found someone to override the software. And I had uh, taken their 75% carbohydrate diet, 80% carbohydrate diet and hammered it down to 50%. Um, the people at Gold's knew I was doing it, uh, told me that, uh, they would deny any kind of responsibility or knowledge if it ever was found out. I mean, it was weird. It was like I was selling crack in the gym. To <laughs> and uh, that's the part that I don't think people get how serious it is. Gold's had a protocol of 75% carbohydrates. You run into Barry Sears, you lower the carbohydrate intake on some of the uh, computer software. That was like, you were a bad guy. I already had I, someone took it was Vicky Sims, I believe, at uh, Gold's Gym in Venice that told me to go get a copy of uh, Atkins book. And I did. And I'm like, wow, if this is if this guy's not full of shit, we should be able to reduce someone's carbohydrate load and see a physiological difference of some significance. I'll start with myself. Three days of, of no carbs. And I'm like seeing trails. I mean, it's like the weirdest experience. I've had, I've had my reality altered. And I have no interest in any more chicken, bacon, butter, or anything else. Now my calories have plummeted in 72 hours. That first day, you can eat. You're like, you're bored with food. That's all you got is protein and fat. And... um. That that's that that was like really outlaw shit back then. Like the, the things that man was called, what he endured, the, the heaped on him, the uh, from the community of cardiologists. They they back they backtracked at the end. At the end, he was he was profoundly and importantly ahead of his time. A hero, Barry Sears, like a Florence have less deaths in your hospital you know how about we clean this place and um you so you're you're hanging with him and uh and going around the are you going around the country with him yeah we went everywhere and you do that for a year um is it just the two of you 
No, there were other people, some kind of cool, cool folks. I met, uh, met some, some good people. In okay. fact, the Eads, uh, Michael and Mary Dan Eads, who to this oh. day are even closer friends than Barry and I ever were. Um, there, was, there was considerable interaction with them, between all of them before I met any of them. <clears throat> Sears all, all had spoken with Bob Atkins. I mean, the, the people that knew the truth about carbohydrate and its toxicity um, all knew each other maybe in the sense of knew of each other's work, but in many cases had been talking, but it was a small community. It was a minority. It did disproportionately well in, uh, in uh, book sales. And my father's truth rearing its head through, the, through, the, uh, through industry. But I could take the uh, books the on the shelf. At the covert Bailey approach and the Atkins approach, and the sales were 100 to 1 in the direction of the carb restriction, even though it was a minority position chided. God, we're only getting like half this great because your connection's still so fucked up. Yeah. That was some good shit too. That that is interesting. How would you explain that? The the book sale thing. If it's the minority position, why are the book sales so high on it? I read Covert Bailey's book and 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 eat nothing but pasta and I don't come back with exciting things to tell my friends. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I do, I do what Atkins says, and dear God, my, I can't even believe it, but guess what? My psoriasis went away. That's not even in the book. That right. was when the E scared with me. They love that. People go, hey, I didn't even mention it to you. And Mike would go, what, the spot on your elbow? It's gone, huh? You noticed. Yeah, I did. But I didn't want to tell you that your psoriasis would go away if you reduced your carbohydrate intake. God, crazy. And the whole who's running the gym back in Santa Cruz at that time is Amon Morales uh, holding. No, 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 no. I'm I'm kind of in between. I, uh, you know, from well, yeah. Um, you know, Lauren's in there, Amon's there, and we had other help kind of quickly. Eva was coming around. Eva, uh, uh, what was her last name? Tor- Tordoka. Well, she was. That's the. That was the Olympian. Yeah. And then, and then, and then he, and then he boots you I too. Made, I made regular and quick coaches of clients. So when we were doing seminars, traveling around the world, um, and it, it, we got to that point quickly, and I still was running a gym commercially. Uh, I had people that had been in the you know, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. class for five years, five days a week, more than capable of unlocking the doors and telling everyone what to do. More than capable. Tara Guglielmo comes to mind. I mean, the first time she trained anyone, it was 15 people, and it was like she'd been doing it for five years. She'd been watching for five years. That's what it was. It was a quick study. It was easy. Hey, to open your eyes, look around, care and say something. It's not that hard. Look around, care, and say something. Yeah. I remember we, we, we 
dissected years ago and talking about training people and this difference between perspicuity and perspicacity. And uh, I don't want to belabor that or even stretch my head and try and remember what was so delightful about that. But we found early that there were people that you could ask what the salient features, and I actually discovered this at one of our own training seminars with one of, one of my own staff. And uh, I asked him, so what are the, you know, what, what's, the, what's the essence of, of a clean? And you give me four or five points. And I'm watching his client, and the client's not meeting that, that criteria, and he's not seeing it. And it was, it, it was, an, it was a, an interesting thing, an interesting divide to get to the point where you're, you see readily the thing that you can test for, you know? It's, it's the difference between um, uh, me showing you a leaf and you say sweet gum and driving down the road at 40 miles an hour pointing out the sweet gums. It's a real-world example from last week here, by the way. <laughs> a perspicuity is when you uh, something is easy to understand, and pers capacity is the ability to observe it and understand it. Is that the, was that the distinction? Yeah, I think that's the sense in which we were looking at it. And it's, and it's yeah, perspicacity is your insight into something when you see it or experience it. Perspicuity is 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 about the object itself that you're looking at. How easy is it to understand it? Yeah. And, and then you got kicked out of, uh, you got kicked out of Claudio's joint. Uh, yep. Yep. He says that, uh, <laughs> yep. And the problem was, he says that people come by to see the jujitsu and they see us out on the sidewalk and they drive off. Mm. They, they think they're going to have to do that crazy shit. Just to <laughs> Um, is is that where you met um, uh, my kids uh, went to Gar Taylor Jiu Jitsu and he had the story about how he couldn't win the he would go down to Brazil and he couldn't win the world championship and then he met you and he started doing CrossFit and he went down there and won uh, three world championships the first I think the worst, first white guy to do that uh, in yeah. Brazil in the heavyweight category D did you meet him at Claudio's or before then or after no that? I, it was, it was, the Jiu Jitsu people were coming over that were working with Claudio in that little place on Soquel, the first Claudio's first spot. Uh huh. And so I watched Claudio's uh, business grow from a tiny little place to a pretty good sized gym, pretty good sized dojo. And Garth was known to me at Spa Fitness Center at the time. And he was another one of those characters like Mike Weaver, Weaver, like Eva T. Um, you know, like we would, we'd have guys running hard on a treadmill turned off, throwing sweat all over the windows and everybody. And, <laughs> and I'm like, he's getting ready for you, for, you know. For the so you were out. doing the air runner before there was the air runner. Oh yeah. We were, we were, we were using the treadmills like plows forever. <laughs> wow. Forever. And, and, and so he said, the yeah, I thought I did. You'd normally do. It's probably just the uh, a, a bald eagle or something sat on the line. <laughs> Could be. Hey, how, how many bald eagles have you seen? Hey, we have, a, we have a baby bald eagle here. 
You have what? We have a baby bald eagle here, and he's just showed up. He's been walking around on the, in the trees. He's everywhere. Oh, you sent me a picture of him. You sent me a picture of him while he's standing yeah. in the road looking at you. Yeah. Yeah, and here's how it works. He wakes up one morning, and mom and dad are gone. There's no learning to fly. There's no help. There's no, it's just like they disappear on his ass. <laughs> and the neighbor said he'll live there in that nest his whole life. He'll never go anywhere. Oh, they leave him the house. Yeah, they just left him the house. It's his nest. Bye. He has no idea. He waits and waits. He squawked for three days. Then he fell out of the nest. Then he walked around for a day. Then he did some flying. Yeah, he looks formidable already. Dude, it gives you a look that makes you back up. Yeah. Cool, um, cool. Uh, so he kicks you. Um, so so he basically says you're driving customers away. And, you know, I was there truth to that. It sure could have been. Because, look, I'm running like I mean, one of the first fight gone bad things we show. If you look at the people in the in the in the fight gone bad. I've got Crazy Bob Cook. I've got uh, BJ Penn. Um, every everyone in the in the pictures is well known nationally or internationally in the fight scene. And them competing out in a parking lot would slow down traffic on on Portola. Right. And I can imagine the kind of client I'm looking for in jujitsu. And it was the very person they know they had trouble attracting, which was executives. Got right. A guy that doesn't want to get strong-armed, you know, for his for his backpack, but has a job, and uh, it's all possible. It's all it's all likely. Um, when you when you left there, when he asked you to leave, is there drama? None. Like none. What am I going to do? He's a 175 pound world champion jujitsu ass. <laughs> no, definitely not what that. I, what am I left with? You're out. Goodbye. Sorry. I love you. Right. He's crying just like Harry. Same thing. Tears and everything. You have to go, buddy. Yep. <laughs> and then this is the next place you move into? Is that BJ yeah. Penn? Who is that? That is. Mm -hmm. Wow. He's got hair. He was such a joy to work with, to eat lunch with. I mean, it's hard to describe anything other than what sounds like a friend. But he is a friend, but everyone finds him enjoyable. Um, so, um, at this, are, when I, how about you? Are you scared? I mean, you're you're a trainer. It's got to be tough making ends meet. Um, Santa Cruz isn't cheap to live in. Each time there's these transitions, no, are you panic no, on a personal level? Are you scared? Not really. No. Because remember, I was charging, I was charging seventy five bucks an hour and giving away a third of it. Now I'm charging seventy five at Claudio's, and I don't, I don't think I was paying him anything. It was insignificant. Uh, Eaton Eaton Beaver says, "Good morning, Greg." Good morning, sir. Um. Uh, RB, BJ Penn has faced the who's who of MMA. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, I would think. I think he's the first two-time champ. I think, he, yeah, he's for sure a Hall of Famer. You had Garthon time. Sevi, have you ever had Garthon? I had him on the CrossFit podcast when I was working for you, but not. I don't think I've had him on this show. 
Garth needs to tell the story of the dude that attacked BJ Penn twice in one night. At, at a bar or something? Out drinking on Pacific Avenue in Santa Cruz. They got in a shoving match on the stairwell and, and the boys, Garth included, saved this kid's life. And then an hour later, he came buffalo charging from 100 yards away and everyone just watched. And it was like some UFC street shit. It was crazy was the story. I wasn't there, so that's not my story to tell. But the, the beauty of the story is that there was follow-up with the guy like years later. And he was really excited to know that that was BJ Penn that had done that to him because he thought it was some guy out on this. <laughs> right, out on right. This <laughs> yeah, he got, he got stomped. He got the ground and pound. I mean, it was like, you need a big John McCarthy there or something. <laughs> hey, that's the difference between boys and girls. Boys are kind of proud if you get your ass beat on the street and you find out it's some famous fighter. You'd sure rather I, I get it. I didn't. I didn't need that explained to me. Right. I get it too. <laughs> yeah. And it adds also an element of stupidity to what you did. Right. Well, you never had a chance. You never had a chance. You don't know who's out there, and you know this is part of the advantages of being a good person. Hey, you Santa Cruz is a dangerous place. To, Santa Cruz is a dangerous place to pick a fight. It's thick with uh, black belts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Hey, there was a period in the lineup at, uh, at, uh, uh, at Steamers at the Lighthouse. Yeah. Where uh, once a week, some surfer would get rendered unconscious and drug ashore and beached. And whoever did it would go back out and catch waves again. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Gre when Greg refers to Steamers, I'll show you what he's talking about. Uh, this is the... Um one of the big surf spots here in Santa Cruz. Hmm. Yeah, Greg, when I, I, I was filming um, 2008 or nine, I was filming with Allison NYC there, something for uh, CrossFit, and we were right there. And I pulled my camera out of the car and uh, with Carrie Peterson, and two guys came over to me and they're like, told us we can't film their waves. <laughs> we can't, no, we can't film our waves. Up. I got a phone number for you when that happens, and you just make a call to Joey Thomas. And there's nobody out there that doesn't know that that old man owns the sand, the rocks, the beach, the parking lot, <clears throat> all the surfers out there and their boards. Regardless <laughs> of the kid, people would come over from San Jose and, and however they ran afoul of the, of the pack, Joey would just get out there and point to the, to the, transgressor and garth says all the little groms had stashes of rocks up on the cliffs in the bushes you've got to yeah. keep your stash of rocks and there would just be this greek-like rain of rocks from the cliffs at the guy that got pointed at and the guy would invariably get off and then and then chase the chase the kids at which point joey'd get out of the water and run the dude down and beat him up and they'd call the cops because he attacked kids and the yeah. cops um, who also were all friends of all of theirs and arrest the guy for uh, for attacking kids. And he would get drug off and then they'd destroy the guy's automobile. Guy <laughs> yeah. said, yes, yeah. You've been pelted with rocks, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't go back and you don't ever surf there again and you tell 10 people about it and they don't go there. It, it, it was a you know, they've been at this a long time.
JT been out on those waves for, for a long time. He's also a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It was a, yeah, that's a some serious story. How about like 87 black belts come out of Santa Cruz? Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And you think no, it's just a mill? Not really. No, man. Ten no, no, ago. they're all savages. I know um, PhD chemists. I mean, you know, look, um, John Frankel, who I, th- I believe was was perhaps Tenzo Gracie's first uh, first uh, uh, black belt, came out of uh, came out of Santa Cruz as well. the The interest in jujitsu is twenty years old in Santa Cruz. Twenty five years old. It predates UFC dramatically. I'm looking up his name. See if I can mm. find him. Greg, when you moved from the jujitsu plot place to the um to the other spot in Santa Cruz, there, did you at any point in time through those moves were you like, holy shit, I'm I'm on to something here, or did you kind of know almost right away? There was a desperation to all of it until we got at Research Park and you saw that final place. And there was something about paying the lease where for the first time ever I felt like I was in business. It was weird. It was, it, I mean, it shouldn't have felt that way, but it did. And the pride was immense and the rent was easy. It was easy to make. It was way so That less- was kind of proof of concept. There was a psychological piece there all of a sudden, like you grew up, well, it was a know, rite of passage. Here's the thing. When I asked myself where my clients came from, I would say, well, other clients bought them, but the clients they brought were clients that were very often also members of Spa Fitness Center. So I wasn't sure what the originating Jim's contribution was to the, to the health and growth of my practice. And it turned out it was negative, not positive. And new clients came from old clients and they didn't have to already belong to anything. I suspected that might be true, but you really don't know. Mm. Hey, the number of people I saw and met that had plans for escaping the working for the gym model Often these plans wouldn't work on paper. And so they were going to leave the gym where people are paying $29.95 a month. And they're going to charge $29.95 a month and try and do so in a thousand square feet with a $3,000 a month rent. And you're like, it, it ain't going to work. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not going to work. That model doesn't, you can't take the big box model and cut it down to 5% and have something even close to supporting a professional wage. Mm-hmm. And so the CrossFit movement was, was fundamentally, if you want to keep circling back to something in terms of business or economics, it was a professionalization of the training space. I'm taking this kid that's wearing a polo shirt, told what to do and how to do it, teaching them some essential skills for the transformation of, of the human body into something better and healthier. And, uh, pushing away a lot of the trappings that, uh, that you'd see in the, in the big box. And uh, it worked. It worked. We have 15,000 small businesses, each of them delivering uh, demonstrable health at a level that wasn't matched by anything else in the community. Mm-hmm. And, and none of that, listen to that. I mean, do you hear business in there? It's, it's barely a business. It's barely a business. But it had sustainability and it had profitability. Mm-hmm. But so does the, so does the Catholic Church. <laughs> I mean, if you ask yourself, is it old? Or does it make money? Like, yeah, I think it does. <laughs> it, 
Is it um, a business? I would say it's not, and I'm no Catholic, but I would tell you that it's it's fundamentally not a business also. Right. The Catholic Church, church also doesn't have, uh, this is a really important distinction, um, uh, doctors um, taking their clients there to save them. So this guy went to school for 12 years, uh, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to get tools to save people's lives, and yet he still takes them to the CrossFit gym to get healthy. Crazy. The, fucking if, fucking nuts. That's the demonstrable part. Sorry, go ahead. You wrap yourself around the idea that the etiology of chronic disease is excessive consumption of refined carbohydrate leveraged with sedentarism and, and then the chronic disease itself are the symptoms of that, of that, the manifestation of that. And it's a medical, it's a medical problem only in the sense of this, of this set of symptoms. But the underlying etiology still is what it is. And so uh, in the end, in terms of cure, solution, resolution, that isn't medical. It's lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so you could make the argument the whole, that the whole of it is psychological because those behaviors, the sedentarism and the, and the, and the uh, uh, gluttonous consumption of carbohydrate, those are both look obviously to be uh, uh, addictive behaviors, mm -hmm. obviously. Karn Thompson went through the vast uh, uh, carb-aware camp and found common ground with all of them in the single issue of carbohydrate uh, consumption to health ruin is an addiction. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about being addicted to sugar. And that not, not one person found a relationship or, or alliance with her difficult. They, no one challenged that. Not Tim Noakes, not Zoe Harcomb, not me, not Jason Fung, uh, not Ufi Ravenskov, nobody. None of mm -hmm. us. That key, mm -hmm. no, not one says, no, it's not an addiction. I don't man, it's a, it's a recurring, repetitive behavior that even on awareness of, of the destructive impact, you don't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unreal that we've had clients that come in that know they need to stop. Uh, all the health uh, health markers are trending in a downward direction. They're sitting there crying, telling you, you know, what what can I do? And two weeks later, they're back to the same diet that they were before. I mean, it's just the same thing as it would would be an addiction to anything else. To where you want to stop, you you see the thing that's happening to your health and. You, you still, you're still reaching for the bag of chips. You still just can't stop yourself from doing it. Sometimes, man, you'd see the failure coming when a person would ask after have, going through, you know, two weeks ago, they were crying at the improvements. And then they come at you with, so, okay, how long do I have to eat like this? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, shit. You, you can go <laughs> right back today. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had it so strong that I once had a client, and I'm not even kidding here, first told me right away day one because usually in the on-ramp course we talk about it added sugars and refining carbohydrate i get them looking at the food label and the lady looked at me and she got very serious she goes you're not taking away my diet coke i said okay no worries no one's gonna take away the diet coke and we got her just focused on the exercise and she was moving and about a week into it as we still have the discussion she literally showed up with the doctor's note as to why the movement wasn't uh wasn't wasn't good for her 
and oh, she wasn't shit. comfortable around the discussions of the uh, the getting rid of the soda. Because once I find out that if you're an avid soda drinker, that's the first thing that we attack is get rid of the get rid of the liquid sugar, get rid of the sodas. You ever get a doctor's note from a, a, a client, Greg? Uh, I've been asked to call a doctor and, you know, have Fight some with memorable, memorable instances of that. I had a client whose uh, uh, oncologist invited me to a mutual friend's house for dinner. And the oncologist was looking to meet with me. That's a cancer and, doctor, oncologist? Yeah, yeah. And she threw up some... Uh, chest x-rays at a kitchen window just you know not even a, a light box right and uh, asked me if i knew what i was looking at and i said yeah it's uh, lungs with with the uh, spots in them and she goes yeah she says it's, it's that cluster of grapes it's uh it's not good and then she's got another one and there's 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 just a couple of them and some kind of whitish spots where they were and she goes you know what's going on here and i said fewer and she goes yeah it's a full-blown active remission going on here and she goes so what's going on and i told her um that's your field not mine i just i just changed what's in her shopping cart and <laughs> i was concerned more about her uh you know, you know in totality I know that the carbohydrate toxicity provides advantage to no organ system. Doesn't help your sleep the way you think. Doesn't increase your bench press. You don't have better bowel movements. There's no upside. It has it has all the charm of fentanyl addiction, mm. including sudden death. Uh, Jacqueline Robinson, uh, $50. Thanks, Jacqueline. That's awesome. Uh, I missed the live, so uh, here's my behind-the-scenes donations. That's kind of you. The only reason I have money to donate is because CrossFit changed every part of my life, including my financial. Thank you, thank you, thank you for changing my life. Oh, that's sweet. Dude, thanks for always being here, by the way, Jacqueline. Uh, Sevon's dog. Uh, Coach, um, we dogs always knew about sugar. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. I think. Oh, um, thank you for the insight. <laughs> I had a client bet me once a million dollars. He was trying to bet me a million dollars that my dog, my pit bull, would eat his candy bar, his French chocolate. I knew there was no way the dog would take the chocolate. There's no way. I knew it. And I was just about to reach out and grab his big hand when it hit me. What an unlivable hell it would be to train this man for free until a million dollars were erased out of the debt. And I didn't. And I told him, dude, I can't, I couldn't, I wouldn't survive training you for free for a million dollars until a million dollars was spent. And uh, remember, this is a guy that would let me leave me waiting six hours a day, right? And I was getting paid two X for that. So I'm like, mm. and uh, so he's damn. He threw his piece of French chocolate on the ground anyways. Like throwing, that was like giving away the, the million dollar scratcher to someone. Did that come in? No, you broke up. You We just heard that 
the I think the chocolate was thrown on the ground. Do I have a house full of people streaming here? Is that my problem, maybe? No. Oh, oh, oh. Streaming. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you got 15 iPhones on your system? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. That's... Uh, that's a good point. Uh, Shashik fit. Shashik fit. Let me nice finish dog. while I'm here. The dog yes. didn't take the chocolate right after I refused the handshake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I was like, <laughs> so I threw a million dollars away. <laughs> oh, he would have paid me too. I, he would have. He would have paid me. Wow. How significant would that million have been at that time? Oh, huge, huge, huge. <laughs> that one probably sat with you for a little bit. I probably would have quit training him. <laughs> Happy birthday to the best. I love you, Greg. Thanks for creating an amazing community of excellent and hardworking people. You changed my life 15 years ago. I'm old school. You're very welcome, and thank you. And you're still pretty. Uh, uh, Olsen Dudes, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, uh, Matt. Uh, keep bringing all the awesome content and conversations. Absolutely. Thank you for your generous donation. Uh, here's the Jake Chapman with uh, Jake. You're crazy. Uh, uh, Jake uh, Sevy, does Greg think Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been a decent CrossFitter? I, I do. I do too. Yeah. He was, you know, we got, we got free space at the Arnold. You can pay a fortune at the Arnold. We got the, we got the top spot. And Arnold launched uh, our workout, and he couldn't have been more kind. And uh, he seemed to truly get it. Um, so I want to go back. So, so you move into Research Circle. Um, uh, Research you, Park Drive. Research Park Drive. And there is some sort of psychological component there that you're like, oh, shit, my, my shit can float itself. I have, I have my own space. It's paying rent. It's like oh, you have a rite of passage moment. It, it, it was so interesting to me that I actually went down to Capitola Book Cafe. And I thought I, now that I'm a businessman, I have a business. Because, you know, what? my, my next door neighbor is a muffler shop. And right, you know, yeah, what yeah. going on here. And uh, so I went and looked at the business books and it was, I came home empty handed because I, everything was about what we'd call marketing about, about the way you would um, advertise, promote, or attract customer. And there was nothing on, on the essence of improving a product or service, nothing. <laughs> And so I thought, wow. And what happened is I had to, I had to create that for myself. And um, uh, my sister here is saying that's also a time when Greg didn't even have a car. And I, that's true too, right? That's all true. You would ride, ride your bike to, to the yep. gym. Yep. Uh, Tank Reeve also throws in, uh, uh, he, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger also said, <laughs> screw your freedom in regards to the COVID injections. He did that, he did that too. He screw your freedoms. The, the line is, is that uh, politics make for strange bedfellows. And here I am now, have found myself several times in very friendly conversation with RFK Jr. And uh, he and I would have, we could argue on, on probably everything you could imagine politically, except the horrors of a U.S. funded development of a vaccine for profit on the uh, 
in the creation of the virus and the no need for the vaccine, perhaps anyways, uh, the uh, destruction of our schools, the, the erosion of our liberties. I mean, these aren't small issues. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, fuck Arnold for that. <laughs> I would say, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nice guy. You hear what I'm saying? He was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. he understood it. And I think he could have been done well in the, at the games. Just like all the other games champions. I mean, that's what I can say about them. They're, they've been they've been nice. And uh, most of them. Um, uh, Brandon Lecoq. He was on the show the other day. He gave away some free tickets. Um, here's to the behind the scenes fund. Uh, hearing everyone's story yesterday was incredible. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you for giving away those free tickets. Greg, are you going to the games? Yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm not uh, – I'll, I'll remind everyone, there's, there's nothing more exciting to me than, than, uh, than participating in the, in the incredible transformation that comes about through, through uh, what it is that, that we do. Um, and few things as boring as watching someone exercise, you know? And so I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I got a lot of cars, but I'm not into motorsports. You know what I mean? It's, uh, what can I tell you? I, the games were never that interesting to me. Um, when we made the thing truly international, that was interesting to me. I mean, I, my, my greatest games moment was, was when I actually delayed the start of the games because there were a hundred black people with flags. I couldn't even tell. I had to, they had, they, they, Reebok made uniforms and I couldn't see what country. So I had to recognize the, the country, you know, from Africa that none of us could point out on a map by its flag. And I took the time to actually find out. So I'm sorry, I don't recognize the flag. Where are you from? And that was cool. That was cool. It felt, it felt uh, like a grown up product at that point. Mm-hmm. I had, we had global inclusion and we um, also, there was zero dilution. Um, uh, Schmucko was still going to win, you know? <laughs> it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't alter And we had people from But he's a nice Schmucko. He's a nice Schmucko. He's nice. <laughs> Holy shit. Hey, yeah, so... He he didn't. I say can't wait to talk to you after the game. When Rogan says that he made me millions of dollars, yeah, stupidest things any games champions ever said. <laughs> um, I, it's gonna be fun talking to you after the game. So, so you're are you going there just to say hi to friends? Is that what you're going there to see affiliates? Like, what are you doing there? Why are you going there? I can't. I kind of can't believe you're going there. Like the Dale King got a campsite for me. Super super affiliate and, business uh, owner. And, Craig Howard wants me to be there. And Daniel Chaffee's coming from France, even though he's resigned from the, from the country uh, managers, he's still going to work the affiliate lounge and would like for me to be there. And so I love all those people. And if I, if I could cruise through and not have to, uh, you know, keep moving, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. My plan is is to leave, uh, leave here on the third um, uh, uh, be there the fourth and come back on the fifth. Let me ask you some of the crazy questions uh, people ask me 
because I'm I'm gonna go to the games this year too. Are, are is any part of you nervous after kind of being out of the scene for a while? In no, no, it's it just in this in this regard, nervous probably doesn't describe it right. Um, you've told me that I'm gonna be miserable. Yeah, I tried to talk him out of going. <laughs> and, I, and I know you well enough. Yeah. And you know me well enough. That yeah. After you tell me that, I don't want to go for 48 hours. Right, right, right. And then people talk me back into it again. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of nervousness that I'm going to be fucking miserable. But the other thing is it's only 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I'm, I don't, I don't get anything... Uh, It's it's a it's a hard thing to to uh, have strangers tell you that they love you, and yeah. if you if you love that, there's something wrong with you. If you <laughs> need that, there's seriously something Hollywood Walk of Fame wrong with you. <laughs> well, I also know you don't like to be kind of like uh, held hostage or trapped somewhere. You like to, and and it's gonna there's gonna be a situation where you're gonna be like, it's, I, I I really don't gonna mean- be a lot. It used to it used to be what I just saw as the job, right? You know? And well, it was your baby. They were your kids. They were your kids. They were your. It was your. Um, what's that called? A, a mom has her her brood. It was your brood. I guess it still is sort of your brood. I watched Bob Harper stand on an intersection and shake hands and hug people and talk to them. And at each instance, he stayed there talking until they broke. We did that mm-hmm. one day for three hours. I've seen I, you do that I, at events. I understood it. I commend him for it. I get where when you do what he does, you kind of have to, mm-hmm. whether you're an athlete or an actor or my, in my sense, my values are is that you have that obligation professionally, personally, and ethically to the, to, to the support. But uh, if you need it for your soul <laughs> or if you're getting off on it, it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, Axel Fluger had a woman rush him at his temple after services one day. And she had been in a coma at the Mayo Clinic. And she remembered all the nice things he said to her. And she had worked hard to find him within the system and couldn't, so found him outside. Tracked him down from the internet to his temple. Isn't that a great story? That is a great story. For those of you who don't know who Axel Fluger is, Axel Fluger is a um, uh, PhD MD who ran at the Mayo Clinic the most successful diabetes um, a treatment center, type 2 diabetes treatment center for like 16 years straight or some crazy shit. And mm. he w- reached out to Greg and said, I'd like to meet with you. And so Greg flew out to Boston and I flew with Greg to meet him. And he's the one who he said, holy fuck, dude. Greg's like, what? He goes, I run the most success, successful type 2 diabetes treatment center in the world for 13 years in a row. And you actually, through CrossFit, have the cure for the world's most vexing problem. <laughs> and Greg said, uh, how do you know that? And he fucking pulled up a whole PowerPoint presentation for Greg going through all the journal articles. Um, uh, um, what are those things that they used to have in the, the old days on the board. internet? Message boards. And it was just fucking, it was a torrential downpour of fucking people's lives who'd been saved from CrossFit. And it was crazy. It was like we were all blown back. And I have that footage somewhere when he presented that to you. It was nuts. And the guy fucking left. 
The guy left the, probably one of the most prestigious positions he, anyone could ever have in the in the type two diabetes world. And remember, PhD MD. Maybe he yeah, was a double he, MD. He was board certified in nephrology, uh-huh. um, uh, uh, cardiology, and internal medicine, and was a PhD pharmacologist. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. That, was, that changed the course for all of us, by the way, that meeting. That's one of those meetings that Greg was like that, – that, that shifted CrossFit a, a, a degree. That like that super – like just imagine someone coming and telling Greg that Greg left that meeting like and never came back to planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it was crazy. It was Did so you have crazy. an idea that that was happening, Greg, before that? And that was just the collection of it in one – Greg had been talking okay. about it. Yes, but I also felt that it would be possible to have a cure for pancreatic cancer, a line a mile long of, of people waiting to get the cure, and the trailing line of cured five miles long in the world never noticed. I, I thought that that could also happen. You could have, you could have a solution to the world's most vexing medical problem and no one ever noticed except mm-hmm. those cured. And to find someone um, from that high a position uh, so articulate on the matter and his evidence being material from our own message board, you know, like, so we got a thread with, a, with 500 posts on, uh, 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 macular degeneration. You know I mean? It was, it was interesting. The kinds of things that, that he had found one second. I got to stop this. Just a second. I think you don't kick the that. dog. Uh, Josh Lehrman, uh, or, or my California farmer missed the live last night. More for the behind the scenes fun. Also love hearing Greg. I know this is great, isn't it? I had no idea we were going to talk about it. Susan, I was tripping. I was like, fuck, I got nothing for him. Uh, Sarah Cox, $49.99. Thank you. Hi, God, Sarah. Sarah. I'm so pumped. Okay. Uh, so, so the, 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 you could have a line for the cure. It would be a thousand miles. Oh, did we get the new um, uh, QR code for California peptides? I, um, okay. I don't have it. Okay, I'll send her a text now. Okay, go. Do you remember where you were, Greg, in regards to um, uh, Fluger and the and uh, if, if uh, they were asking, did you did you suspect we you had the cure? Yeah, I mean, I we had we had a lot of instances of it, but I again, I didn't think that, that it would be likely that anyone would notice um, on the the established medicine side of the fence. And in fact, I had already, already come across what, you know, several hundred physicians. We had, we had made our own estimation that there was probably an average of, of uh, three physicians in each box, at least as a minimum. And what I did, and you probably remember that for quite a while, I would ask people, how many docs in your box? And what I found was, there were some morons that didn't know, and that's also a box. Good, it's nice in your box, man. You don't even know what people do for a living. It's never come up, you know. But, uh, this the lowest number I ever heard was three, and Craig Howard had like twenty-one or something. And so I said, okay, three super safe, and I got seven thousand foods. That's twenty-one thousand doctors who pulled their heads out of their asses, wiped the shit out of their eyes, and have seen something that is wonderfully diametrically crazy opposed to the, to the norm, to the, to the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And it was networking them that was actually paying off. In fact, I can't un- unnetwork them. I, 
So the CrossFit docs still hit me up like I'm still running the show and have inputs and want to know what's going on. Hey, that makes you a massive threat to pharma. There's no question that basically pharma doctors are pharma's army. Yeah, here's Sevy putting a putting a target on my back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no. There's no question. I've shown it so many times on this show that doctors were getting $170 to $5 a person per injection kickbacks. But nothing – I've had, I've had no, nowhere near the impact of RFK Jr. for those of you in pharma listening. <laughs> Him. He did it. Yeah, check out that guy over there. He's yeah. the, Oh, my God. <laughs> He's the real culprit. So – Sure. So there's this. Um, at, at one of Greg's uh, houses, we're in the backyard, and he goes, "Sevy, look over there." And I look over there at his neighbor's house, and there's a fucking a, the biggest building I've ever been seen build in a neighborhood. And I go, "What is that?" And he goes, "It looks like the dude's building a fucking Walgreens in his backyard." And I go, "I know, it's fucking crazy. What is that?" And he goes, "It's a basketball stadium." I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. So fucking his kid, the local neighborhood pros will come over and play with him and his kids. So he's building a fucking basketball stadium in his backyard. I go, what's that guy do? <laughs> he's like, pharma. <laughs> I'm just like, well, fucking A. I've got another neighbor on the street that has a basketball court that the Suns play at regularly. Indoor. He's also got a, a, a skate a pool, skate park, Doug. And he's given all the neighbor kids the code and he's got a camera and there's some pretty strict boundaries from the property, you know, when you're off limits and lose rights. And, but the real thing is no helmet and he's going to shut it down for everyone. It's pretty cool. Mm. It's pretty, pretty neat neighbors. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that pharma shit, man, that'll make you some loot. Hey, promote, the, promote Gauthier's book on pharma. No, tell me the I should, organized crime, something to that effect. Peter Gauthier, friend of ours, we brought him out to Santa Cruz. Yeah, I should have him HDMD. on. He got canceled. He even took the shot so he could travel, right? No, no, no. That was uh, Malcolm Kendrick took the took the oh. slam jabs. He could go to his ski home in France. He's crazy. That's insane. That's insane. It is. It is. That's how much he likes skiing. <laughs> That's insane, too. Spell Gauthier for me. Is there a Z in it? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah E-Z-C-H-E. There you go. Deadly medicines and organized crime. Hey, Greg, can you get him on for me? I believe so. Okay. Sorry just to ask you that on the spot. I make some, a little bit of amends for radio silence first, so give me some time. <laughs> <laughs> really? He's upset at you because he didn't return a call or something? You know, I'm a, I'm a couple of emails behind. Okay. But uh, he, took on, he took on mammography intelligently. He's taken on the HPV vaccine brilliantly, the Gates Foundation wonderfully. Uh, psych meds for peds successfully. And when I met him before there was COVID, and any of us even thought about cancer, I'm good, dude, you're going to get whacked. And then he did. He got not whacked, whacked, but they said he was guilty of inappropriate behavior in the lab with females in present. Nothing ever came of it or mentioned, but that rumor in Yendo got him kicked from the Cochrane collaboration. And 
John oh. Iannotti said it was a, a travesty that he was the most important medical researcher in all of Europe. He was one of the co-founders of the Cochrane Collaboration. Mm -hmm. But he had, he had gone against the grain probably to the tune of a billion trillions of dollars. Trillions. I mean, you take, start taking on psych meds, uh, oncology, vaccine industry, right? Yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you're fucking All of pharma, calling them organized yeah. crime. John, I think it's John Le Carre, was influenced by that book so profoundly that one of his super stories is a uh, uh, more exciting and dynamic and uh, 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 worthy of a movie kind of action story where a farm executive's wife is killed. I don't know that, and I might even have my author wrong. You guys can figure that out. But it was interesting to learn that the book had been an inspiration, that, that the author was so so upset by what's in that thing. It's, uh, it's, I just looked him up on Audible, too. It's funny. I wonder if he's not allowed on there. It's not an Audible version? No. Oh. Not even as a heart, not even as, like, a, a download. Um. I want. I, I want to go. I want to go back and see if I can pick this thread back up. So, so then you're at Research Park. I, I want to try to to get to that question that Susie answered. And when do you know that um, you're so excited that it's one gym and you're paying your rent and, and you're you're able to get new inner tubes for your bike and m maybe buy a, a pickup truck? But when do you know that like, oh shit, this thing's gonna about to run away. This thing's about to just like explode. You know, it, it 15 or 20 affiliates. I've got people like TJ Cooper telling me stories that I, I recognize. And he's, he's telling me, you're not going to believe it, but I got a lady that had diabetes and now she doesn't, you know? And, th and this is years before meeting Fluger. Now we're talking 2005, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, 2002. Two. Okay. 2002. Okay. I got, I got brand new fledgling affiliates. We don't even have 30 of them. And I got uh, Tony Budding and Nicole Carroll running my uh, affiliate program. Is CrossFit using the Impact font by that time? Is that official or? Um, you know, the the when we when when the journal launched, um, we launched that with a set of fonts that we licensed from Gil Sands. I, last time I, I had trouble with his name. What had happened was that my artist, I told him that I really liked. Uh, the font and the style and much of the presentation of Cook's Illustration, Cook's Illustrated, that when they were showing a final production, the ta-da moment, it was a photograph, but all processes were illustrations and the process illustrated better than it photographed and look at these cool fonts. And then Otto comes back and he goes, there's actually like six or seven different fonts and they, and they all remind me of Gil Sands. So he called Cook's Illustrated and they said, we paid Gil Sands for those fonts. So then we asked Gil Sands if we could license those fonts. And he says, if Cook's Illustrated doesn't care. And so we did. And so it's more than just impact. Um, there were uh, uh, 10 or 11 fonts that were used in Cook's Illustrated that we used in the CrossFit Journal. And the, the variance was, it was subtle. It was pretty neat. You know, we had, we had really good talent in Otto Lejeune. He's the guy that first drew Pinky. Oh. Hmm. He said he couldn't, he wouldn't. 
that he'd ruin his reputation, that he makes logos for serious business, and that's no serious business would have a barfing clown. And I'm like, all right, well, fuck you then. We'll find a different artist, you Canadian asshole. <laughs> he came back, and he goes, okay, I'll do it. And my wife, though, she wants to do, colorize it. She wants to put the colors in. And I go, you bet. When they were done, I go, you geniuses, mad geniuses. Perfect. I got my vomiting clown. <laughs> but he's the same one that walked us down that font path. And I do believe that the layout of the early journals is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we have a little bit of an emergency here. Uh, I apologize for the interruption to the show. A uh, golf foxtrot Yankee. Uh, can you ask Greg his thoughts on C4? That's an energy drink. While I stand on the edge of a three-story building waiting. <laughs> Don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. Never, Greg, what I've do you think about heard. energy drinks? I don't I don't I don't have an important opinion. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Greg, when you had those first clients, were you initially like tracking all everything that was happening with them as you were putting in the inputs and giving them the workouts? Were you documenting that that whole time, which then started to become the collection for you to be able to extract the definition of CrossFit out of that? Or I had like? I had carb files and uh, on every client, and when they'd come in, I would require of the trainer to document all, everything you did and what the results were. And we regularly made computations on that. And we were doing a, 11 uh, site expensive stainless steel skin fold caliper body fat testing and sending people out for lipid profiles and doing all that shit, getting them hydrostatically weighed annually, all that shit. And pretty soon it turned into all that shit and less and less training. Mm. And, and um, you know, you think of that line a mile long and, you, and, you're, and you're going, wow, and they don't have pancreatic cancer and they're leaving. You could slow down the whole effort by trying to prove to those that don't want to see that it's actually working. Mm. And I had a couple of physicians. One was a doctor. Uh, oh, Sebi, what's the nice doctor in Santa Cruz? Bernberg? Uh, I can't remember. I, I, Bruce I, is his first name. Um, but anyways, Eisendorf, I believe. Someone will remember the, from the days. But he came by and looked through our... See, this was interesting. Um, one of his nurses was talking about cholesterol. And uh, I showed her some triglyceride changes and things from people that had taken blood lipids. And she said, if my doctor had seen this, he would be in here talking to you. And I go, what's his name? And she said, I think it was Bruce Eisendorf. And I said, well, trip on this. It is Bruce Eisendorf's patient. And so he did appear in my office the next day. And I put a, I left him with about two feet of peer-reviewed material to read and showed him what we were doing. And he became at once con convinced. And uh, then he later, he's coming to me saying, how do you get people to understand? You know, he's got the same problem. I've just got... I've got a convert of one in a doctor convinced. That's part of how I met Jim Baker was through Bruce Eisendorf. He was a patient. Mm -hmm. How do you like that for tiring? <laughs> uh, caller, thanks for being so patient. Go ahead. I had a question for Greg Glassman. Um, with Hiller coming out with his podcast and everything going on with CrossFit, is this where he thought, it would be today when he started this years ago. 
where where CrossFit is today. Right, with his, um, I guess, opinion of where the judges are, the the coaching, uh, all the YouTube videos coming out showing all this coaching going on. I mean, these people are showing what they're doing. Um, you know, the whole trajectory of where you thought CrossFit would be when you started it years ago. Yeah, I, I'm surprised at the at the uh, and pleased with the with the extent of its success and spread, without a doubt. And uh, I hope it would maintain it, its health organizationally. But uh, the magic happens at the local level. It happens at the box, and it's that young man, young woman that's getting up at four a.m., having a high speed breakfast with with caffeine and making their way to the box to unlock the door, flip on the lights and the music and, you know, double check the bathroom for, for cleanliness. Um, it's, it's that individual's relationship uh, with the, with the membership that is really the whole of this thing. And as you build up from there, what you do is you can just add on layers of distraction or destruction or annoyance, frankly. And that would include that would include uh, uh, all skews, whether it's a bottle of water, a bar, a pair of shoes. You know, we 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 for the longest time were giving away our T-shirts. Give them away, and this is where I would print at, at level ones or no 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 kind of a pre-level one, just you know, CrossFit just shirts the for the CrossFit box, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, caller, thank you. I don't think there was any way, though, that, um, that you could have predicted what happened just because you couldn't predicted the rise of Google, YouTube, cell phones, right? I mean, th there was this intersection no with all of humanity had with not just CrossFit, but that humanity's had with technology that's like changed everything. Yeah, I use the example of curling, you know, that funny thing you do on the ice where you brush the ice and the thing goes down. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what brushing the ice does and I didn't know most of what I did would do. And so I just put all my energy into uh, providing, uh, availing a, uh, a product and service that I would get in line for. And is that enough? Who knows? Who knows? But it, it did work. And I've heard, and I've read of uh of others that have had success in tech or business, serial success, uh, articulate much the same kind of thoughts, including including uh, the late Mr. Jobs. You know, like when he was a kid, he wanted a Dick Tracy fucking watch, right? So right. He put, he put the world onto the path, and now we all have them. Um. So so uh, so. You get to thirty. You get to thirty affiliates, and at that point, you're starting to think, "Oh, th this thing's going to go to a hundred affiliates. Like th this thing's going to leap over the pond." You know, we we got to a point. I, there was a constant effort. Tony Budding is head of the uh, affiliate program, and his lovely assistant uh, Nicole Carroll. Um, I couldn't convince Tony that that his job was to be eyes, ears. Um, support to keep us all connected and not to 
tell them how to run their gyms because he was gifted with knowledge on a, on a subject for which he had no experience. And I just, we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. He, he knew, he knew everything they should do and why and how they should do it. And uh, I didn't have that answer. And so that's when my sister came on and we, you know, let's truly have affiliate support. Okay. And what year was that? Do you remember? Yeah. Well, that's the first affiliate is 2001. So probably three or four. Do you remember looking in your bank account one day? I mean, and no, it had been later than that. It had been later than that. I don't know when Kathy came on. Do you remember looking in your bank account one day and there's, um, uh, I don't know, $112,000 in there and you're like, in, in all your bills are paid and you're like, holy fuck, what the fuck is going on? I deliberately, did you even, Or did you just have your head down? You didn't even know what, and you were just grinding. I deliberately flew close to the trees. And so if a whole lot of money showed up, we'd be getting a whole lot of things, doing a whole lot of stuff. And, like visiting you know, affiliates, buying equipment. Keep, and keep the affiliate fees low. Keep affiliate fees low. Yeah. Expand them when, you know, those grew when we had to. And never, and never did we raise anyone's rate. So there are people paying $500. I assume they've allowed that to continue. Paying $500 a year because that was their buy-in. You never raised a single affiliate's rate? Not once. Um, but there had to have been a moment where, or maybe there wasn't a moment. There was never a moment when you were like, oh shit, this is, did you, did it, did it take to, for, until you sold the business to where you were like, wow, I got on this thing and it was a fucking go-kart and I'm getting off now. It's a fucking, uh, international space station. I, I was skimming a, a fraction of a percent all along. And at some point that turned into a considerable income. But there wasn't an MBA anywhere that didn't think I shouldn't have been, um, shouldn't have been in possession of hundreds of millions of dollars long before uh, anyone thought my uh, half of one percent was was. Uh, you know, uh, people thought I was an asshole for buying an airplane. Uh, Brian Kelly thought I was a moron because it wasn't a G five. <laughs> right, but, but I'm not even talking about. He had a formula for it. There was a formula for the for the G5 and not the King Air. Brian Kelly, by the way, was the guy um, who tried to uh, buy the company um, from Greg through Greg's ex-wife and tried to use uh, the legal system to do it. It was fucking nuts. But I'm not talking about the money. I'm even talking like I knew you when you were like – I remember there was a period where you're like, I'm going to meet every single affiliate owner. And then like a month later, I see you at fucking four in the morning and I will come downstairs and you're like, dude. And you're like, what? Like. I'm not going to live long enough to meet every affiliate <laughs> and you're tripping. So like, there's gotta be moments like that where you're like, this, this thing is just exploding. Right. Do you, is was there any moment where you were like, Holy shit. Or like where your dad's like, Hey, I'm proud of you. Or like something well, happens you know, where you're just like, what the fuck just happened? I was, I was just at research park and I'm not. I'm seeing in the, in the daily receipts, um, amount of money floats some flow through that succeed every, daily my life's earnings <laughs> right, 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 and it's like you and right. the instinct i didn't have was to be to throw a net out in front of that shit i didn't right and and if i were to do it again i, I probably would right right i probably would if i had if i had taken 
um, more money from the business, I could have sold it for a lot more than 200 million. Um, and what people saw that got attracted to this thing, the thing that made the shit flies come around um, was the fact that this thing, that that HQ sat astride a multi-billion dollar empire and pulled but 150 million a year from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's made no sense to the kids from Stanford. Mm-hmm. None. And so their thought was they're going to get their hands on this thing and then, and, then, and then squeeze that out of it. But what it requires is that you, 15,000 of your affiliates stick around in significant numbers, willing to be your point of presence, surrender their professionalization of the training space to be pinching shoes all a footlocker and selling bullshit piss aid and calling it it's good for your fitness. Mm-hmm. That's a hard sell. Mm-hmm. And, and what, you're, what you're selling, what's being sold there is, is reputation. What you're selling is the brand, is in spending it. And uh, I, I don't think it's a win. I can see if you said, oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about, coach. Q2, Q3, it's going to be big. Okay, okay, I got it. I'm thinking year three, year four. Because those are the very things that would cause me to leave. But remember, I built the thing that I would come and stay for. So I'm so self-referential. No one should take much of my opinion on this. But every affiliate that came around for the reasons that I would have come around, it probably at this point is, I would think, would be asking some of the hard questions. I'm here and they are. And I, I don't have an answer for that. Mis- Mr. Fall, a friend, he's, in a, he's got a tough position. That's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing. There's, there's no entity that doesn't want him to uh, ring dollars from SKUs. Do you ever dream that you're still um, uh, running the company? You know, it's funny. In the asking of that, I was in mind. I dreamed I was still a gymnast for 10 years afterwards, where I'd be standing there with the gymnasts do this thing where they stand with the, with the back of the hand to the hip uh-huh. to keep the chalk off your clothes. You know, mm-hmm. you don't stand with your hands on your hips. You put, use the back of your hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've actually seen you stand like that. I find myself in that. I spent 12 years standing around not rubbing chocolate over my dick. Holy know? shit. I didn't know that's why they did that. Wow. Okay. It's a giveaway but, but, for a gym. And any CEO dreams? Uh, none. No. None. No. I, none. I did, that wasn't an enjoyable thing for me. <laughs> hey uh and, I, and I, you know what i'm glad i was chased from the throne because i wasn't gonna walk away right and being chased i'm like really you know fine the the uh uh you know the phases of what denial acceptance all that that was a 30 minute deal <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole run <laughs> the car ride home and you went through all the stages so you're good i'm like maggie what would life be like with 200 million dollars <laughs> you process that quickly <laughs> uh i worry about money all the time not my money not the company's money but um fluctuations in the in the business dynamic that made no sense of of employees it's it's in some positions that's that 
Greg, uh, have you? Uh, this is from RB. Has Greg watched the turtle races at the brewery in Coeur d'Alene? Plywood oval track, dollar off beers. I, if you, I would in totally it. go to that. Me too. <laughs> Where is that? Have you heard of that? Can you find that, Caleb? Uh, turtle races in Coeur d'Alene? I'm headed up there in September. I can't, I'll go to do that. Yeah, we'll go to that. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Hey, you know, you know what? Let me tell you where the games came from. I said, mm. any anything you can you can measure, you can compete and race. And they said, what do you mean? I said, let me show you. We'll do this out at, out at your ranch, Davey. Oh, shit. There it is. The tap house. Right? If you can measure it, you can have competitions, you can have races. Yeah. What's that? Hey, you know, oh, you know, cool look at that turtleneck. <laughs> That's like a turtleneck. What would it be cool, Greg, to train turtles to what? We should, we should train turtles and drug them. <laughs> Find out what the games people are on. Oh, sure. Oh. Have them push sleds and shit and bring them down there. Have some like. <laughs> Maybe even do some hybrid shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> But God, it looks like one of those red-eared turtles, but look at his legs, you know? <laughs> hey, um, uh, Greg, this is an interesting question. If if I came to Coeur d'Alene, would you, are you interested in making any content together? Like letting people see what you're doing with your life or is that shit private? Yeah, I, think, I, think we're, I think that's what we're doing here. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, Sebi, I love the, 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 you know, we get to hang and talk. And it's how you make your living. And we used to hang and talk like this, and it's how you made your living. Right. And, <laughs> right. and I, I think there's I think there's more independence here. I think what you're doing is more important. I think it would be more fun. I mean, I would I would have thought that Danny Bowflex would be like a low point for you and your, your ambition as a, <laughs> a filmmaker. <laughs> I hated that shit like I can't even fucking tell you. That was me. I'm um, taking taking your um uh your business advice and running with it, giving people uh, opportunities. It was good. It was it was. I like that kid too. You should have made some footage around his uh his uh, uh his uh, chronic virginity. Yes, his virginity. <laughs> we made a little bit. We had we had we had epics going. I'll fix that problem. Mm. Like, <laughs> there's some behind the scenes. You don't even have to show anything. Look, he, he's going to go in a version. He comes out other. <laughs> and you see what's different. Yeah. <laughs> Inputs and outputs. Yeah. <laughs> um. Hey, I'm uh, I'm headed. I'm headed off to tennis. Quick. That was an easy. Ninety minutes. Thank you. You guys are great. And all your all your fans are wonderful. All the kind words are, are cool. And everyone just keep doing what you're doing because you're you're the strongest force for for uh, health that uh, we've seen in modern times. Oh, boy, thank you. Yeah, CrossFit CrossFitters, the CrossFit coaches in hygiene. You know, mm-hmm. not shitting where you're making dinner. <laughs> and going to the CrossFit gym are probably about 80% of what could have been done or has been done. And I'm going to throw the docs a bone. Thank you for your antibiotics and trauma surgery. Um, Rambler, we will. 
Good, They're good on the axis, right? Kinetic, genetic, microbial. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, uh, Greg will be back on. We will pick up where we left off about uh, Greg's uh, opinions on semen retention. <laughs> I'm sorry we didn't get to your question today. All right, everyone. Uh, Greg, uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, guys. Love Bye. you. Thanks for always doing this. Makes Very my day. Too. Happy birthday. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, happy birthday. Greg Glassman. Holy shit. I was panicking like I like today's show. Like, what were we gonna talk about? I didn't. Even, I didn't even get to my notes. That's good. Okay, I was like waiting to see where you're gonna go because I always have so many questions that I could probably just keep going. Okay, good. Yeah, wouldn't even know where to start. I wanted to ask him about Joe Biden, the Biden corruption. Yeah, I probably um, stayed on the CrossFit thread. Do we don't have any more shows tonight? Nope. Okay. Uh, so rest day. <laughs> um, let me know if we have to schedule someone tonight. Any athletes? David, holy shit, David's been getting soft. I think David's been microdosing mushrooms. The compliments have been pouring out of him lately. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Maybe he had a near-death experience or something. He's seen um, the light. Okay. Uh, today I will be setting up my cameras for the first time and taking them on a full test run. I'll be putting on my straps and everything. I'll actually get dressed in my um, behind-the-scenes gear. I'm kind of excited. Oh, maybe I should come today then, so I could I could video that. I'll do it again tomorrow. Okay, we'll film we'll it every day until the game. Yeah, I need to. Uh, uh, David Weed, yeah, wave died. That's good. <laughs> Have you started walking around with like a that fourteen pound weighted vest or like the eight pound weighted vest just to condition yourself <laughs> for the cameras? Or kind of, I, you know, I, I, yesterday I wore the sixteen pound vest for an hour. Yeah, yeah, I just wore it for an hour. I thought you were joking. No. I'm old. Okay, uh, I'm going to tennis. Love you guys. Uh, everyone, uh, we will. I, I wouldn't doubt it if there's a show tonight, but um, nothing yeah, scheduled as of now. Be like, Schedule this. Let's do that. Yep. Let's do it. I'll be home.